Hey everyone, and welcome to Keep You Posted. Today is Sunday, March 22nd. I, my name is Hannah Trav. I'm your host. I'm a comedian, a law student, and I'm currently sitting in my bathroom underneath a blanket to try to get the best acoustics because I'm recording this on my phone. Sadly, producer and friend Ross Wiseman is not with us today because we are practicing social distancing. This is going to be a short episode. I'm going to talk mostly about my subjective views on random things, and we'll do one segment of SCOTUS Notice. Just an update from last week, we did take a pretty intensive poll about toilet paper, and it was a freaking tie, dude. It was a tie. You can actually, if you go to our Instagram, at keep letter U posted pod, you can see in the highlights, the stories, this is all, again, assuming all of you use um, Instagram, but this is the stories, I highlighted them on the page, and you can see how people voted. Some people got silly and said, like, duct tape as their favorite toilet paper, but um, what you need to know is that in the midst of this heavy debate, it was a freaking tie between one ply and two ply, so um, I guess that's why we have both, guys. Um, Okay, on today's episode, uh, it's a special episode. Um, I'm not going to talk about coronavirus because what is there to say? We get that it's happening. We're all doing the best we can. Keep social distancing, wash your hands, and try to stay calm. What I am going to talk about today, um, I'm going to do two brief segments. No, first I'm going to do SCOTUS Notice about the paper I've been writing, and then I'm going to do a bonus, two segments on HT. HT, Hannah Trav's hot takes, and wow, I won't have a sounding board via Ross, so it's just going to be my thoughts. It's going to be a short episode, but thank you so much for joining us, and here we go. Welcome to SCOTUS Notice. Um, I'm writing a paper this weekend about this case that came before the Supreme Court regarding abortion access. Um, If you guys don't remember, there was a case in 2016 called Whole Women's Health versus Hellardstead, which was about a law in Texas called HB2 that basically restricted abortion rights by putting abortion providers and doctors... um, in the position where they had to get what's called admitting privileges to local hospitals. And the reason why this was an issue is because hospitals in Texas could determine who gets admitting privileges based on their own procedures, their own bylaws. So because there's uh, Texas is a pretty anti-abortion state, doctors who were not able to get these admitting privileges were no longer able to practice and provide abortions to women. So all these clinics shut down. And the whole idea of admitting privileges was that Um, You know, the state said, oh, it's safer if doctors are able to admit patients in the to hospitals in the event that there's a complication from abortion. Um, You know, this is to look out for health and safety. But what wound up happening was that doctors were unable to get these admitting privileges for a bunch of different reasons. Like, for example, some of the hospitals required that you admit a certain number of patients over the course of the year to retain your admitting privileges because abortions are so safe. Their doctors aren't usually transferring or admitting patients after they perform abortions to the hospital. So um, things like that where they, you know, they couldn't get the admitting privileges or they got them and they couldn't keep them led to all these clinics being closed. And the Supreme Court ruled that the law 
was a burden to women. It was an undue burden on women accessing abortion. And furthermore, which is like my favorite word ever, it um, was unconstitutional because it placed a substantial obstacle in the path of both providers and women. So I'm writing a paper right now on a law that was passed in Louisiana that's, in my opinion, but also in a lot of people's opinions, almost the same as this law in Texas. So um, it went to the district court and in Louisiana, and the district court applied the standard that was set out in Whole Women's Health about like finding whether there's a burden on women or not. And if there is a burden, if there's a you know substantial obstacle to them obtaining abortions, then the law is unconstitutional. So the district court did all this fact-finding about the effects of this law. And, you know, at the time of the passage of the law, there were only six doctors in Louisiana providing abortions. And um, the district court, you know, during the trial found there was evidence that some of the doctors would not be able to get admitting privileges for some of the same reasons that the Texas doctors couldn't, and that it could cause um, clinics to close. So the district court found that the law was unconstitutional, used the standard in whole women's health, that case from Texas, and then the Fifth Circuit totally undid that. So a little background, circuit courts, like the Court of Appeals, they don't do the same kind of trial and fact-finding that district courts do. Courts of appeal, Court of Appeals is there to review the district court's legal analysis of the case and find out if they've applied the law correctly. Here, the Fifth Circuit went in and did a lot of fact-finding. And that's one of the issues in this case is whether they overstepped. And for the record, the Fifth Circuit is notoriously anti-abortion. So it's not surprising that they tried to get to the end using whatever means they could. Like the Fifth Circuit did not want to strike down this law. They wanted to uphold it because they wanted it to go back in front of the Supreme Court now that we have a more conservative majority. Because of that, the Fifth Circuit basically did like a second trial of facts and said, oh, you know, some of the things that the trial court found, um, they were totally wrong. Like, for example, the trial court said that these doctors tried to get admitting privileges in good faith. Like they actively tried to do what they were supposed to. And when it got to the Fifth Circuit, the Fifth Circuit looked at the record and said, you know what? No, they didn't do it in good faith. If anything, it's their own faults that they don't have admitting privileges, blah, blah, blah. Which, again, I'm not going to go deep into the you know, factual disputes or anything, but it's just important to know that that's really not what the Court of Appeals is supposed to do. They're supposed to uh, you know, take the district court's factual findings as true and you know, as established because that's where the witnesses are coming in. That's where all the testimony is happening. All the evidence is being presented in the district court. The court of appeals is then just reviewing the record. So that's not what happened here. They basically did like a second trial um, where the district court had found there were no benefits, no medical benefits to having admitting privileges because again, abortions are very safe and Doctors are usually able in the event there are complications to get the patient to a hospital, but it's, again, so rare. Um, and the Fifth Circuit was like, no, there are benefits. It makes it safer, whatever. Um, 
I mean, also, there's like this whole thing about how when the doctors did apply for admitting privileges, because Louisiana is also a pretty anti-abortion state, the hospitals could deny them on pretty much any grounds they want. Like some of them, some of the hospitals just legit like ghosted the doctors. They didn't even like respond to their inquiry. They just were like, oh, well, we're just going to wait a year to get back to you. Um, So yeah, so the Fifth Circuit was like, oh, the doctors didn't make good faith efforts. Um, And this was the bigger issue. They said, yeah, we don't even have to get into whole women's health and that precedential law because there's not a substantial obstacle. Women are still going to be able to get abortions. It's no big deal. Like, it's fine. And the reason that they said there were no substantial obstacles is because even though some of these doctors testified that they'd have to stop providing abortions, they were like, oh, well, these women can just go to other clinics and blah, blah, blah. But like, that's just not super practical. There's only a handful of clinics, I think like three or four in Louisiana. There was like six doctors. One of them had already resigned. And Louisiana is a big enough state that like, you know, if you're a woman and it's very poor state too. So if you're a woman who's trying to get an abortion and you have to then, instead of driving three hours, drive like six hours to get one, I don't know how that's not a substantial obstacle. But now the court, the, the Supreme Court has to decide if the Court of Appeals was right to not do the whole analysis from whole women's health and to treat it treat this case totally differently, even though it's like the same law. Or if there's basically another outcome they could find where they uphold this law, or if they're going to reverse what the Fifth Circuit did and say, no, the district court had it right, there's, um, you know, there's no reason that this law should be held up. So I've been writing a paper on that. It's honestly way more complex than I've made it sound, but I am watching the time and realize I've been talking about this for about eight minutes. So um, that's SCOTUS notice for you. It's honestly so frustrating to read this stuff. It's like, okay, I understand that there are people who are pro-life, but honestly, I feel like this constant back and forth with the courts is just a little bit crazy. It's like there are so many things the Supreme Court hasn't decided on yet that we could be having them here. But anyway, I'm pro-choice. Spoiler alert. Um, And this has been SCOTUS Notice. And now for HTHT, Hannah Trav's hot takes. Unfortunately, because it's just me, we're not going to be getting alternative perspectives on this, these topics. So um, you guys will have to bear with me. And uh, please, I know we're all a little bored. So please engage with us me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or the website or um, send me a carrier pigeon about your thoughts on this important topic. Today's topic is cooking. So I've been cooking a lot more recently and I'm not great at cooking. Like I like cooking. I like, no, I shouldn't say that. I appreciate a well-cooked meal. I like that feeling of eating a meal that I cooked. I made Dijon honey chicken recently. I made pasta recently. I've been trying to like use my time wisely with food, but oh my gosh, there's something about cooking that's like, you know how some people have like an intuition when it comes to cooking? Like they just like grew up around cooking and they can just like taste something and be like, you know what, this needs a little rosemary. Or like, you know what, I should put on, I should put this 
sauce on the burner now so that I can cook this other thing and I can time it out in my head. I have no intuition when it comes to cooking. Like, shout out to my mom. I love you, but she doesn't really like cooking. And so I didn't grow up in a household where like cooking was like a fun activity. It was just like, oh, we cook so that we can eat, you know? And so I just find that it's like stressful for me. I don't like being bad at things, first of all. And I know that it just takes practice and like whatever, but I think because I'm so busy with school and comedy and all this stuff, it's something that because I don't have like a natural tendency or natural skill with it, it makes it harder for me. Like I'm so paranoid of setting things on fire. Like I can't even tell you how many times I check the burners before I leave my house. Like I wouldn't have, I might not have cooked for three days, but I'm like, oh, well, what if I accidentally turn the burner on? To be fair, I do make tea a lot. So that's maybe why I check the burners and you know, I'm just anxious. But yeah, so I've been trying to cook more recently. What I have found, though, is that I am better at baking because I'm good at following directions. Like, I don't know about you guys, but with baking, it's so precise. You're like measuring everything out versus with cooking. Like, okay, have you ever cooked with someone who's really good at cooking? And if you're like me and you're not as good at cooking, they just like take over because they can see you. They can see my, it's like they can sense I'm nervous, you know? So whereas it takes me longer to make a dish that might take someone who's good at cooking a shorter time. I still feel like I have some proficiency, but um baking you don't you can't just like add a dash of this and a dash of that. You have to like, you know, measure everything out. I made these cookies my aunt Sheila gave me the recipe for. They're called snowball cookies. They're basically just like butter and powdered sugar. But I made those a couple weeks ago and it was nice just like being able I gave Ross some cookies. I gave um, one of my other friends, Alejandro, some cookies. And it's just like nice to be able to give people, like I like cooking. I like being able to serve people a meal, but I'm just not good at it. Um, but I'm practicing. I'm learning. I'm really good at making pancakes. I know when to flip them, baby. That's the trick with pancakes. Like I have an electric stove. That makes it way harder. You can't just turn the heat up and up and down, you know? So um, I've really mastered the art of flipping them. How do you guys like your pancakes? I usually do chocolate chip, but hey, I love blueberries too. I'll do a little blueberry action. Haven't made banana pancakes before, but willing to try. I get nervous touching raw meat sometimes. Like I love eating chicken or or other types of meat, but I do get nervous touching it and I feel like I wish, but then it's like also like, I don't want to buy like pre-cut, pre-whatever. Like I want to be able to make the meal from start to finish. Or I mean pre-cooked, pre-cut is fine. Um... But yeah, so it's a, that's a goal of mine is to get a little bit more comfortable touching raw meat. Um, <laughs> what a weird goal. <laughs> yeah, um, my goal for my New Year's resolution is just to like get more comfortable touching raw meat. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, this has been HTHT, uh, literally just HT, Hannah Trav hot takes. Um, and I'm going to do one more after this, and then this episode will be over. Okay, bye. Okay, this is a very short HTHT. This is a bonus. I couldn't decide whether to talk about cooking or to talk about this. I have a big problem with people who say they're bad with names. And if you're one of those people, I'm going to make an impassioned point or an impassioned argument as to why I think that in the year 2020, you do not have to be someone who's bad with names. I think there are ways around that because we're all busy. We're all, you know distracted by our phones and so 
we just, sometimes it's hard to remember someone's name or you like see someone every day and you're like, hey buddy, but I never, you never say, you never talk and say their name. Something that I've started doing that actually I've been doing for about five years now is I have a note on my phone, like a little, in my notes app, where if I go to like a bar a lot or if I go to a restaurant a lot or if I see someone all the time at work, um, but we don't like work super closely together, whatever the case may be, I will put a note in my phone with their name where I met them, and a brief description. This was super helpful when I started comedy because I would meet all these comedians at open mics and I would hate, I I have no shame in being like, hey, I don't remember your name, can you tell it to me again? But it's also like after three or four times, it's like the person gets a little insulted. So I would write it down and then, guys, people love when you greet them by name. Like, it's like, not only is it polite and nice and makes people happy, but it's also like a good networking thing. Like if you can walk in somewhere and be like, oh, hello, Jane. And Jane's like, oh, shit, how do you remember my name? And you're like, well, they wouldn't ask you that. They would just say hi. Yeah, it's just it makes people happy. It makes them feel special. But it also is like a power move. So I think you should try instead of being like, oh, I'm bad with names. Because the other thing is, is we all carry computers in our pockets. You know, like if you're not Instagram following someone or whatever, you still could probably like find them or at least find a way to record that you've met them or whatever. I really think my notes app thing is pretty spot on. Like I would just write like, for example, shout out to my friend Eddie Finn. Okay, Eddie, if you're listening to this, this is how I remembered your name six years ago. Uh, Eddie has red hair and glasses and I met him like three times and each time forgot his name. So he was the first person I wrote down. I just wrote Eddie, redhead, glasses, nice, (laughs) comedian. (laughs) And now he's one of my close friends. So all I'm saying is, guys, there are ways to get better with names. And once you start doing this, it becomes like second nature. Like I just have this note in my phone. I have a couple of them, but like I'll see someone and I'll be like, I know I wrote their name down. And then I remember them easier because once I write it down once, I'm like, oh yeah, I wrote their name down. Anyway, it is kind of weird recording this without Ross because I would love his perspective on how he remembers people's names, if at all. Ross, if you're not remembering people's names, you should for sure. Um, But yeah, guys, do you have a thought on this? I just think that millennials and younger people, because we're so reliant on our phones, because like we're all selfish people. Let's let's face it. We're all selfish people. It's sometimes like easier to just say like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm bad with names than it is to just like try to not be bad with names. So my theory, my proposal is that we all try just a little bit harder to remember people's names and we all get over the embarrassment of having to ask someone their name again because you know what? It happens. Life is busy. Um, So let me know what you guys think. Tweet us, Instagram us, stay in touch, and stay safe, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm Hannah Trav, and my heart is with you all. Bye. This has been Keep You Posted, hosted and executive produced by Hannah Trav. Produced and edited by me, Ross Wiseman. Our art and logo is by Kristen Finger, and our music by Graham Trav. For a list of our sources from the episode, bonus content, and to get in touch with us, visit us at www.keepyoupostedpod.com.